0: Quant speak. Expert insights from Quants for Quants. Welcome to QuantSpeak, a new podcast from the CQF Institute at Fitch Learning.
1: Hi, I'm Dan Tudball, editor of Wilmot magazine, and this is QuantSpeak. Look back in Anger. John Osborne. It's that time of year. And we're here with the perennially angry young Quant. I would say none other than Paul Wilmot. Hello, Paul. Hello, Dan. Welcome. We're gonna round up the year. We're going to look back. But is there anything left to be angry about in quant finance, do you think?
0: Oh, well, that that's quite, quite going straight straight to it, aren't we? Um I'm I'm very angry. I'm very why are we recording this <laughs> this year sum up thing so close to Christmas? Could not we have not done it, say in September? Or ideally maybe April or something.
1: I know, but I always, I always feel like it's a bit of a cheat, though. You know, everybody sums up the year at the end of November, and it's as if December doesn't exist. And then next year, when people round it up, they start from January. So it's as if anything that happens in December doesn't count. But
0: you know why that is, right? It's because there's this, this little thing called Christmas coming up.
1: Oh, yes, I know, I know.
0: This is the, this is the, this is the week where we start to panic. Or well, at least yes. I'm starting to panic a lot. A lot. Yes. This is the yes.
1: Let's look at the year for Paul Wilmot. What's where's the where's the focus been this year? Good, good question. Um, you know. A, a few highlights.
0: One was catching up with my old pal Emmanuel Derman,
1: mm.
0: who um, if I had to had to spend, you know, a while on a desert island with a quant, uh, he would be my choice because he's very laid back and he doesn't just talk about quant financing.
1: <laughs> that helps.
0: That's always good on a desert island. I'm sure he'd be very good on a desert island. I'm sure most quants most I know would be a disaster. Um, but he'd be fun and, and I suspect quite useful. And the another highlight is I've moved into a different, not, not genre, but sort of um, books I've written before have always been uh, for people of a university level. Mm-mm. But I have written a couple of books this year for, for high school children. Right. One on artificial intelligence and one... On finance. So it's, um, yeah, trying to um, introduce things to younger people with, yeah, so that's been quite fun. And they're all extremely affordable. And I think if you get them that, then they, they will arrive in time for Christmas to fill your stockings.
1: What prompted you to do that?
0: Um, I, I have a famously bad memory. I can't remember. But it's it's kind of been the, the story of my life. A, I can't remember most of it. Um, just I, I've always been like that nothing to do with drink or anything. Uh, it's all been bad. It, same for my brother. He's got a terrible memory. But I tend to have an idea. And once I get an idea, I have to sort of carry through with it. It just sort of happens. I remember 20 something years ago, I was browsing the internet and couldn't sleep at three o'clock in the morning. And I came across this um, garage in somewhere in London that had this Jensen Intercept. I knew nothing about Jensen Intercept. Well, I saw it. Oh, that's that's lovely. And then you know, the, the, the idea was in my head. So a couple of days later, I just went to the garage and just bought the blasted thing. I say blasted thing because if you've ever had a classic car, especially one built in England in the 1970s, <laughs> you'll know it's not a good idea. Oh, you've been in it. so uh,
1: I have. I have.
0: And, and do you remember the, the the smell of fumes as we drove I in? I do. With the... I do. So once I get an idea in my head, just I just have to follow it through. So you know, it came to my head, I must do something for children for some reason. And so I did. And it was great fun. But also I, I discovered, you know, when, when I was young, I used to hate the one well, of my, I hated English and history, and I still hate history. Um, I liked reading, but not the stuff I was forced to read. Uh, and I hated writing. So it was funny that in my 30s or so, I discovered I quite liked writing. Right. Similarly with lecturing, I always avoided giving any sort of lecture. And then I, um, I tried it and I thought, oh, gosh, I like standing in front of people and showing off.
1: Ah, uh, there it is.
0: Exactly, exactly. So anyway, so I wrote this for high school children, the mathematics of artificial intelligence for high, school, high schoolers. And then once I'd finished that, I thought um, that was fun. Let's do another subject. What else do I know about? Well, apparently I know about finance. Um, I don't know why I did it this way around, but then I did the um, finance one, and I had a cunning plan, of course, because of, I, I gave that that talk um, whenever it was in November about the the cult of risk neutrality, and so yes, I, so part of my cunning plan was if I can introduce the the concept of risk neutrality in my own way to high schoolers, it might undermine all the obsessive pure mathematicians who you know teach it so badly so there's that's that's another that's a cunning plan i don't know whether that will will work i suspect not yeah so, so show them how it's done before they get to university even
1: well ai the the end of 2022 chat gpt reared its head yeah and here you are you've got your ai book out and uh, the thing that interested me about ai was um the coding aspect right of an ai being able to code rather than rather than give you a give you a conversational answer to something that uh, you'd really be better off perhaps yeah. finding out about yourself but the coding part of it and um yeah i mean it's just been sort of at the back of my head you know should quant developers be worried about their job because that's that's the only that's the position that i think might have a bit of a problem with that yeah you do a bit of coding from time to time, if you really have not to. Not really. If I really have, not,
0: not very much. Not, I, I mean, I, I tried learning all sorts of languages. It's a new language every couple of years. And I was, I'm, I'd still be using Fortran if, I, if they'd let me. <laughs> the um, punch cards. Punch cards. I, I started out with punch cards. It was brilliant. You'd do your punch cards. You'd give it off to someone. You'd wait a few days, and uh, nothing would happen um, because you'd made a mistake. And you never found out how what mistake you'd made. You just stole over again. <laughs> um, that's how it should be. Um, I don't know Code was only about five lines long as well, but I can imagine i I, I don't know enough about it, and I don't know how good these programs are that they come out at the other end uh I don't know whether how much they need to be cleaned up, whether it's possible to put bugs in them that no one will notice whether someone there'll be some you have to assume that there'll be some malicious people out there doing mm-hmm, naughty stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's going to be all sorts of disasters. I don't know, it's going to be like, like, um, codes and code breaking in the sense that there's, there's the, um, the people making codes, people then trying to break codes and then people making more complicated codes and trying to break those codes. Um, so at some stage we'll need some, some mathematics. again, I know nothing about codes and ciphers, but you will need some mathematics to make these, um, uh, things. Robust but there's always the, the human element. i mean the, the the whole business of you know the, how long does it take to crack a password yeah. um, it can take you know millennia even with the fastest computer, but if anyone goes around using the password password or p four sword then um it doesn't take very long at all i mean the, the, the easy way the easy way to to crack things is to is to is to not um pick somebody's email address and try lots of passwords, it's the opposite. It's actually to assume the password is password or whatever most common is and then guess people's usernames. And that's yes, much, true. much faster. True. So the, the human element is always going to be an issue.
1: Well, that human element, I mean, me not being a technical person whatsoever, I was just wondering whether when it does come to coding and, and so on, whether, whether there is any opportunity whatsoever for the human element of creativity sort of to, uh, to edge out any possible AI that would uh, be trying to crack the same task, you know. Right. But I guess it depends what the initial problem is that you're, you're tackling rather than what you're trying to code, would it be?
0: Yeah, uh, but that does remind me that I was watching something, uh, some BBC um, thing involving submarines the other day, a vigil. And so there's, there are these images of the of the submarine, you know, coming through, the, the, breaking the surface. And mm-hmm. I'm thinking, you know, is that real or is that AI? I assume it's AI because submarines have got to be quite expensive. BBC can't afford that since they paid Gary Lineker so much money. They can't afford to rent a submarine. So it's presumably AI. And I think, oh, God, that's depressing. That's depressing. Kind of spoiled things for me. So even if it wasn't AI, it still spoiled it, the thought of it. Because, you know, if you watch an old... James Bond movie and there's a submarine. You know that's yeah. a real submarine, and you know that yes, exactly. Right. And you know that the the, the stunt people are, are really people doing those stunts as opposed to.
1: And that Lotus Esprit is a real Lotus Esprit as well. Oh yeah, of course it is. The uh, the little torpedoes that come out. I'm not too sure about those though.
0: <laughs> okay, there is one good potentially good thing, and that it will that it will um, cause lawyers to be unemployed. The only problem with that, though, is lawyers will find a way around to, to stop it happening. So.
1: I would expect so. One, one sort of slightly horrific thing that I read about was um, researchers are actually grafting human stem cells into, into chips or whatever. I don't know what, what they do. And uh, the thinking behind it is that organic cells use far less energy uh than the uh you know the amount of electricity that uh that these um these chips and whatnot need to do massive calculations and they're actually doing that now
0: that, that is disturbing isn't it
1: yeah so i mean it's a it's a real neural network
0: almost every story i read about these things i have to check the calendar see so it's not april the 1st and it never is or very rarely is
1: yeah well so uh, that's ai done but um Quantum has been an interesting one this year as a, as a, as a thought. Right. But David oral has been particularly forthright about it. Yeah. And, uh, and in fact, rather irritated with uh, with some of the, the questions that he's been getting recently as to whether it's quantum finance is too much of a stretch or not. That's going to be in, uh, that's going to be in the next issue of the yes. magazine actually. Yeah. But uh, you know, what, what are your thoughts on, on quantum i mean the the speed up part and all of that sort of thing that's kind of boring actually yeah yeah but in terms of the way of thinking about things
0: um... i think it's fascinating i think it's, it's it is a very clever idea i know very little about it um, i've tried to understand it but it's, for some reason it's 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 something that i struggle with i've tried it's on on my to-do list maybe i should write a, a book on the subject for high schoolers because when you do that then you have to really learn a subject. That's the best way to <laughs> learn a subject is to have to teach it. Um but you know it it it, it makes so much sense, doesn't it? That the, the fact that you don't really know what a share price is until you until it's observed, so to speak. Yes. So it does make a it does make a lot of sense. Yeah people don't really like too many new ideas in in well in anything really. It will take a while. Or it may just die. You know, people have tried to apply all sorts of physics ideas to to finance unsuccessfully. But this one has got a certain je ne sais quoi about it.
1: Yes, I think I think you'll have to write a lecture on it or something for teenagers then. That
0: might be the new year for the new year to try and understand more about it. But the the, the basic premise sounds very, very good.
1: Good New Year's resolution there.
0: Oh gosh. Yeah, yeah.
1: We, we we celebrated the 50th anniversary of Black Shoals yes. this year. We marked it in a good fashion, I would say. We had Emmanuel Derman contribute to that article, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, besides him being a, a nice bloke and a, yeah. and a great chap to hang out with, where, where's the where's the respect for him come from w- with you in terms of in terms of his research and things like that? When when did he sort of pop onto your radar?
0: Good question. Um, I've, I've known him since the early nineties. How did I? Oh, it, it goes. Yeah, it goes back. To... I think I must have first met him when I was being courted, wooed by Goldman Sachs in mm. the early nineties. That's probably how I first met him. Um, he pays attention and he's open to new ideas. I, I think he's he's one of my favorite quants, favorite people. Really nice bloke.
1: Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. And we, you know, celebrating that we got to have a good panel on Fisher Black. Yeah, and. One of the things that occurred to me was to, to, really, to really make an impact in quantitative finance, I think you have to have an entrepreneurial bent. There has to be an aspect of, of your personality because obviously Fisher Black was the one who was sort of not only did he work things out, but he, he, was, he was selling his calculations and uh, all of that sort of thing and, uh, and, and getting the calculators made and all of that sort of thing. Do you think that, I mean, that's certainly an aspect that, that you uh, you share, I would say, that entrepreneurial aspect of, of things. Do you think that that's a, an important thing to cultivate, perhaps, as a, as a quant? It's something that every quant ought to explore and think about, even if...
0: I really don't think you can cultivate that, though. I really don't think you can. I think you... Uh, you've got it as a child, or you haven't. In in my case, I I, I started. Um, I'll, I'll call them businesses. That's a little bit a bit generous a, a a word. Scams. Scams. <laughs> no, sadly,
1: because more often than not, I lost money. So not very. It was a quantum it... scam. Then in that case. Yes. No. The... There was a you in an alternate. It was. Alternate universe that was actually making money out of for...
0: them. Oh, probably that's a, that's possible. So before I became sort of a mathematician, I say I guess it must have been secondary school where I, you know, everything became maths for me. But before that, when I was eight, nine, something like that, I, I did various things. I did start a school newspaper, never came out, but I started one. We had a first issue that never appeared.
1: Right. Okay. Did you return the subscriptions?
0: Didn't get as far as <laughs> as, as that. There would have been, would, yeah, it would have been pennies. Um, there was also um, a, a zoo that, that was, again, it was one of those things that, that I had the idea. And once I had the idea, I had to follow it through. And the idea was... What, I've What got kind a, a, of zoo did you have? Well, I had these, these pets at the time. I had um, guinea pigs, cats, budgerigar, stickleback fish. those are a frog, <laughs> newts, tortoise. Uh, did I mention guinea pigs? I thought, well, you know, what do you do with animals? Well, you have a zoo, right? The local grammar school, which I eventually went to, uh, had some mice that they were going to experiment, experiment on. And somehow, I forget how, I can't remember, I just wish I could remember all these things. People always tell me about things I've done, and I think, gosh, did I really do that? Um, but somehow we, got, we rescued these mice from the grammar school.
1: Right, okay.
0: I had to buy a cage for the mice. So I bought a cage for the mice. That was my, you know, the capital outlay. So now I had, to, you know, even more animals. I went around the neighborhood, sticking up signs saying "This way to the zoo," and I charged a penny, an old
1: penny. So that's worth about what forty quid now, isn't it?
0: <laughs> Probably. And so I went around the neighborhood with the putting up notices saying "This way to the zoo." Uh, my mother tells the story of how a lady, and wearing a fur coat, in a chauffeur-driven Rolls Royce. See, I mean, she exaggerates a bit. My mother, but. Knock. you know, maybe over the years she's added the chauffeur or something. I don't know, but anyway, right. I, I, so there was girl, a Rolls Royce. The, so, so she she knocks on the door and says, "Where's the zoo?" in a in a posh accent, probably. And um, my mother has to apologize and invites her in as as you did in those days. Uh, complete strangers who knock on your door, come in for a cup of tea. Wow, and so, well, invites her in for a cup of tea, and um, this fur-coated, uh, posh lady. Uh, I think the chauffeur stayed outside, as is only right and proper. And um, so, that was my my one customer, and so I, I made a, a, a loss on that business because the, uh, the 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 cage for the mice cost far more than um, that the one p I get made from this this one customer. The mice were later released in the local some local field. Right. Where they probably were e- immediately eaten by something.
1: That's good. Well, you you contributed to the circle of life and you learned something yeah. about risk aversion.
0: I did. I, and then I then I got into, then I, I started another business in, in, in my garage a few years later, a couple of years later. Uh, and this was a kind of amusement arcade where I took all the um, sort of various games, you know, dartboard and throw dart, and you paid money and you, you know if you win you get something back and um yeah so that was another disaster because unfortunately i misjudged the odds on on something and the local hard case who was probably 11. (laughs) 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 Um, he uh, he actually unfortunately he won one of these these games and he uh, he won i don't know what what money did we have in those days half a crown or something
1: Wow, that's big money.
0: It was one of those, one of those coins that don't exist anymore pre nineteen seventy one, and so I had to, you know, I had to search had to save up the half a crown.
1: I thought you were going to say that you know he 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 gave you a good knock around because you were muscling on his turf over on on the Wirral or something like that.
0: No, 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 no. It was uh, I just paid him
1: off. Again, useful lesson in life and and a good uh, a good look forward to how to deal with regulators, I would yeah. say. Yeah.
0: Oh, God. But the, the point is, in terms of the entrepreneurial thing, it, it went back to when I was eight or nine or so.
1: It's an ingrained thing.
0: Yeah, I'd, and I just know, not always, but almost always had partners. And um, some cases, like my partners when we started the CQ app, absolutely brilliant partners to have. Yep. But there have been other businesses where the people didn't didn't really understand the whole concept of running business i mean the, the idea for example that all that really matters is advertising or marketing that's mm-hmm. the most important mm-hmm. thing yes more than anything
1: yes exactly you yeah. said goodbye to harry markovitz this year yes portfolio yes. theory any recollections about your first encounters with uh, with portfolio optimization and all of that sort what? of thing
0: Well, I I met him once. I organized a conference in um, the Royal Society on Finance in the early 90s, which was phenomenal, the number of people who turned up. He was there. Merton was there. um, All sorts of people who later became billionaires were there. I always wondered what Harry Markowitz did after his original work, because he did the original work. He was a student in the Um, 1950s i'm not sure what he did after that other than talk about the subject uh, i think it's a great concept that, that he's that he came up with uh, and you know it's it's one of those things that, that with hindsight oh gosh, it's so so simple so obvious the
1: official um, frontier
0: yes all that stuff yeah it's, it's absolutely brilliant um but obviously the problems with it because of um the parameters the correlations and things that are, are not very stable um but i haven't really followed these things the, the only things I've done in, in that sort of field were very academic and things just for, yeah. just for the sake of you know publishing papers. I don't, I don't know as much as I should about
1: that. And we had uh we had the 20th anniversary of the CQF, which we alluded to earlier as well, which was a great success, I would say. Yeah, we had some good talks and a bumper issue, and uh. You know the the combination of the black shoals issue and the the 20th anniversary i think that's probably why i'm i'm about ready to flake out now and i probably i probably need some stem cells grafted to where whatever makes makes it work for me but um do we have any anniversaries
0: coming up or can we take a break or can you take a break I
1: i hope we don't Well, actually, actually, next year is the anniversary of uh, Robert Merton introducing some nifty probability into the whole Black Shoals thing and um, and all of that. But um, I would have I would have liked to mark that somehow. There are some people writing a, a, a couple of articles on that for us.
0: Right. But no, the CQF has been phenomenal. Oh, incredible. Incredible. I mean, not just not just successful in terms of numbers of people to take it, but the approach that we took, just not being stupidly academic and telling people how finance really works and what the problems are, not, not pitching things as though it's all wonderful and the the more detailed you, you you get, then the better. Well, that's that's a load of nonsense.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: The big picture is very important.
1: Well, universities are certainly, I think, going the way of the dodo, don't you think? A lot of evidence for that this year, I would say. Generally, I mean, the, the, the model, the university model, it's not necessary anymore, really, is it?
0: Not really. Um, I remember when I used to go, you know, I used to go to uh, sit on high table yes. at um, various positions I had uh, at university. So I'd sit on high table, with, you know, when the gown, etc., and there'd be all these eminent professors. And I learned very early on that, the most interesting people were not the eminent professors or that were there or the eminent professors who um, were invited as guests, but the more ordinary people were far more interesting because these eminent people, they were just so obviously just very pretentious, very full of themselves, but they also were very limited in what they were talking about. They would never open up. They were always so worried about the, the, how they were being perceived that they were, they were just boring.
1: So universities, research and all of that sort of thing And then we have uh, institutions like Goldman Sachs and so on and so forth that had these amazing sort of collegiate atmospheres back in the day, uh, which really kind of encouraged research. So through application, really uh, novel approaches were were coming about. But with this, with the AI, with the ML, with the economic conditions as well, because, you know, uh, People were rather shocked to experience inflation, right, uh, end of last year, and that's sort of going away now, and it's back to interest rates going up and all of that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but the AI, the ML, the the whole mechanistic kind of approach. Do you think possibly some of the funds gone out, gone out of it, out of the financial industry for for really original thought?
0: Machine learning itself is fun, and I don't think I've said this, because whenever you do a bit of machine learning, it, it's always, something always happens. You know, if you're doing yeah. classical mathematical modeling and pencil and paper, then you could spend weeks, months, and it's, it's a complete dead end. Um, whereas if you do something with artificial intelligence, you always, you always get something happening. It may be complete rubbish, it may be complete opposite of what you expect. Uh, but it's always kind of fun and something always happens. So that is sort of interesting. It, it will kill off people like me, oh, dinosaurs, you know, mathematical modelers. The example I always give is the Navier-Stokes equation mm. uh, and Euler equation for fluid mechanics, which has got just a couple of parameters in them. Which, but if you, try to do conservation, if you try to do fluid mechanics using AI, a neural network thing, then neural networks can have billions of parameters. So what yes. is that? What is that neural network actually doing? Is it somehow concluding this conservation of mass and conservation of momentum, or, or what is it doing? Or why has it got so many parameters? When you know, where where inside that black box is is it doing Newtonian mechanics? There'd be no point for an Isaac Newton any any longer. Um, I think we'd just be programmers, computer scientists, which would be a shame because mathematical modelling is a, a fun subject.
1: So we wrap it up, I think. Yeah. We let you get back to your Christmas panic. This should be out somewhere between Christmas and the new year, I think. Yeah. So should be a a, a, a good start for everybody for the new year. Uh, thanks very much, Paul. All right. And uh, we will catch up again in the new year. Take care. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to Quant speak. Don't forget to subscribe and do sign up to the CQF Institute for more insights into Quant finance.